10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Well, here we are once again. It's the final edition in 2022. And last week, we kind of started our best of and really enjoyed going back and, and listening to some of that stuff last week. But we've got more of our best clips of 2022 coming up here in the next few minutes. But... A big week for A-State football last week. It was National Signing Day, something that you and I have done over, I don't know how many years now, the Wednesday morning of of Signing Day, and we're there as soon as everything starts coming in, and our live coverage on the Ticket Radio Network, we're able to just pass it along as soon as those NLIs come in and it was a pretty exciting day the other day i can't remember 29 signees in one particular day well you used to couldn't do that yeah that's <laughs> so i mean you used to as far as putting guys on scholarship you were capped at 25 and uh you know the rules have changed a little bit like everything else and so hey that's that's great for butch jones just gives him a chance to do more recruiting because i think it was Derek lett who was on with us at one point and said you know he said there are two butch joneses there's football season butch jones and recruiting season butch jones and i know it landed on the week of christmas but like signing day is like christmas morning for butch jones because this guy loves recruiting and if you don't love it with him you really you don't have a spot on his staff or you shouldn't have one because you're gonna be miserable (laughs) there's not a big disparity in the intensity level of Butch Jones during a game and him on signing day. And one of my favorite parts about this past signing day was you and I are set up in in the recruiting room there, and Coach Jones would just continue to come in. We didn't have any scheduled interviews with him, but we probably we had him on every hour. That's right. He was on we all three hours <laughs> because he just kept showing up. Uh, you know, typically, we do that a lot of times, and you're just hoping – yeah, you know, the head coach is in a position where he can jump on there at the end and kind of recap yeah. everything. And here it was, uh, you know, once an hour you looked up and Coach Jones was in here. And really he was just roaming the halls. I think he was just letting off energy as much as anything. But once he came in there, he would just end up throwing on the headset and staying a little while. He was genuinely excited about the class, which was the number one ranked recruiting class according to any ranking service recruiting service you look at talk about how excited he was in the morning but i think his press conference went over an hour on wednesday afternoon and then we had an event on wednesday night that lasted almost three hours and a lot of it you know the assistant coaches were able to talk but coach jones wanted to be as candid as he possibly could while we were we were looking at the film of the 29 signees the other night i think he chimed in after almost every single one of them just adding his own comments which i think the crowd loved i didn't think anybody was tired after that event the other night they certainly enjoyed everything that they heard but 29 players in the class 20 high school players eight fbs or fcs transfers and a junior college player. And 
you and I have talked about it many times. You see 20 of the 29 players being high school players. There's no quick fix here. Yes, they're trying to address some needs through the portal, but Coach Jones continues to try to build this program a certain way. Yeah, he's sticking to his guns. He is absolutely sticking to his guns. You know, knock on wood, so far, his ability to keep last year's top signing class together has you know, afforded him the, the confidence to stick to his guns and do what he said he was going to do. Build this thing by stacking together good classes based on high school talent, and he continues to do that. Uh, it will pay off. 17 offensive players, 12 defensive, and... Look, it starts at the line of scrimmage. They knew they had to get better on both sides of the ball up front, and they signed five offensive linemen and five defensive linemen. And on the O-line, three of those were transfers. They signed a center from Lamar who started every game the last couple of years, and then they signed a couple of offensive linemen, transfers from Ole Miss and Hamilton Hall and Tobias Braun. And this coaching staff gave a whole lot of credit to Jordan Rhodes, who was an Ole Miss transfer and played for the Red Wolves this past season. Yeah, they said it wasn't so much, I don't know that Jordan would be out recruiting, as much as what I think he just did was I mean, I think he reached out to these guys or they reached out to him or whatever the case is, and he vouched for this staff. He vouched for this program. He vouched for the university. I don't know if he gave him a big rah-rah speech or not, but I think what he did is said, hey, you're going to be okay coming here and playing. And Coach Jones, in one of his visits with us, that line said you know, they'll be feeling the effects of having you know Jordan Rhodes in the program for years to come starting with the help he was here and landing these two transfers. A couple of quarterbacks were signed last Wednesday. A West Virginia transfer by the name of Will Crowder, who has three years of eligibility remaining, and he's had a perfect career so far. He's 8 of 8 in his collegiate career. Hmm. And Coach Eckendorf brought that up the other (laughs) night during the signing event. The other quarterback that was signed was a high school kid out of Kernersville, North Carolina, and Coach Heck actually talked about his relationship going way back with the head coach of this young man's high school, talking about Jalen Rayner. What a senior year he had. 40 touchdowns through the air, just three interceptions, and he rushed for over 1,200 yards and 17 touchdowns, and that's the kind of dual threat that really we haven't had in a few years. And it leads a lot of people to go, but, but, but what about Jackson Daly? But but nothing, right? You mean you can't have one guy in the quarterback room, and and all you need to know about Jackson Daly is that when when you went and signed a transfer quarterback, and you went and signed a high school quarterback, and another one I think probably committed as a walk on even Jackson Daly didn't go pout or put his name in the portal. Let's say he he was in the room. He's been in the building constantly during the break and hosted somebody on every single recruiting weekend. Yeah, and Coach Jones gave a whole lot of credit to guys like Jackson Daly and Justin Parks. And I know Jeff Foreman was one of those guys that really helped out as well with some of these recruiting visits. Red Wolves did sign a couple of running backs as well. Zach Wallace, who's from Benton, but had a big season this past year at Tennessee Martin. And then Cedric Hawkins out of Stuttgart was a high school running back that was signed, and he's been committed for quite some time. Another position group that this coaching staff has talked about all along, they had to address the wide receiving 
core. The receiving core needed a lot of new bodies, and they signed six of them the other day. And a, a lot of, and you see some smaller guys, but these are speed guys. And they signed a lot of speed with this class. But I think the kind of the headliner of this group was the transfer from Syracuse. And he's a guy that they really weren't sure of. On signing day, but he came through talking about Courtney Jackson. Yeah, in, in the you know our time on the air, they didn't know they were getting Courtney Jackson. He was a guy that we had on our list just in case, but you didn't know you were going to use that. And uh, as the day went on, all of a sudden you looked up and they've added him to this class as well. So just think about that. For all the excitement they had early on, it wasn't based on – Getting Courtney Jackson was a little bit of a, I mean, I wouldn't say a bonus, but that was one of the ones that you know they had to wait out a little bit. We mentioned 12 players were signed defensively last Wednesday, four linebackers, three defensive backs, but they signed five defensive linemen. Four of these guys are interior defensive linemen, and, and really that's the thing Coach Jones talked about as much as anything last year. We had to get better on the interior part of that defensive line and you look at a guy like Micah Bland who played a ton of games the last couple of years starting at North Alabama 321 pounds that's the kind of body that they've been missing in the middle of that defensive line you're right that was an area that was going to be addressed we talked early on about you know thinking there would be a lot of defensive guys signed and you know there were on all three levels and and including up front where I, I think at this point we should all agree. We should all know you should accept and embrace the fact that coaches telling you that this game starts at the line of scrimmage is not coach speak. There may not be a truer statement in all of sports. Love to look at some of these high school guys. And, you know, Terrell James has as impressive a, a resume in high school as any player I can remember coming in. He had a 15-0 and season this past year his team won a state championship but he had 29 sacks as a senior in high school and 58 tackles for a loss so you're talking about a big time high school player coming in out of uh, lake wells florida one thing you brought up a lot during our coverage the other day was the fact that this coaching staff has done a really good job at holding on to the players that it already has and you lost guys like Sadu Traore and Kenny Harris. They've gone on to Power 5 programs. But other than that, to hold on to somebody like a Dominic Zavada was a big deal. And Coach Jones mentioned it during the event the other night. Dominic had five $100,000 offers to leave Arkansas State. And here hmm. he is, still a Red Wolf. And, you know, I think that says a lot about the environment, the culture inside that building right now. It does. Your recruiting starts now with your own roster for as much as, you know, that we talk about the job the staff did bringing new guys in. You got to recruit your old guys, the ones you want to keep as part of your program. And I used to mention there were little losses along the way, but overall a net victory, I think, in the job they did in retention. All right. So the 29 players are in, but this recruiting class is certainly not done yet. There's more guys expected to be added in the next several weeks, but a very, very good start this past Wednesday for National Signing Day, at least the first signing day of this offseason. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to have some of our 
favorite clips of the past year. We had a lot of great interviews here on this podcast, and we'll revisit some of those when we come back here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Okay, so we started this last week going back and kind of revisiting some of our favorite interviews of 2022 and really enjoyed doing that, but there's still a whole lot of other visits that we didn't get to. And one thing we like to do is talk to some of the more passionate players, former players that are out there. And we couldn't think of a more passionate one that we've ever come across than Jacob Still. And man, really had a fun visit with him. Yeah. And Arkansas State's fans, uh, favorite player, even if they didn't know it, if you feel strongly about this place like uh, so many of us do jacob stills right there with you plus some so it's always fun to let him put that passion on display and he would also do anything to get inside the head of his opponents he told us about that oh yeah so i would uh they would do a really good job of, you know, our, our analyst and coaching staff would do a really good job of giving us a scouting report. You know, we'd get a list of every single player who we're going against, name, where they went to college, where they went to high school, where they're from. You know, so I would just take that list. And, you know, while I was at training table, you know, I'd look them up on Twitter and I'd look them up on Instagram, sometimes Facebook. Sometimes I'd even plug their name into Google. Strictly, I'd look on Google to see if they've ever been arrested for anything. Because, um, you know, you bring that up, they don't they don't really like talking about that girlfriends really hit them hard mothers if you would find out their mom's name and you would say that instantly you're in their head for the whole game and i would always try to get in people's head because if they sometimes they were more worried about getting at me than they were doing their job then i have you be another person that just absolutely loves arkansas state we got to visit with back in the spring and i think one of my favorite interviews we've ever done on this podcast is with olivia schmidt and she just continues to rewrite the record book as far as a state women's golf by the way and also not done she got to, to stage two of lpgaq school missed events in the stage three i think by stroke but has status, full status on on what would amount to the Corn Ferry Tour for the LPGA and is bypassing that to come finish her senior season and try to win a conference title with the Red Wolves. She talked a lot about her love for Arkansas State while she was in studio, but she also talked about her unique relationship with her head coach, MJ Dabian Shaw. You know, I think we have a special case. There's nobody like Coach MJ. She... I mean, just hearing about other people's experiences, mine and our my teammates has been so different. She's very present, not only on the golf course, but in our life. So we trust her with everything. I mean, I could tell her everything about my life and there's no judgment. She's going to love me regardless. And I think she's so helpful. She's so knowledgeable. She's been a swing coach. I mean, she's coached so many people. She played at the highest level in college. She is so good with course management. I mean, we have our swing coaches. I mean, I have my swing coach at home and he has helped me so much, but MJ has helped me 
allow myself mentally to calm down and just play the game and to have a fun time and that no matter what you shoot or not, you're going to be great. And bad tournaments happen, good tournaments happen, but she's just played a huge role in the mental aspects of my life and my teammates. One of our favorite people, somebody that uh, has been part of our A-State football broadcast, the last couple of seasons is Philip Butterfield and had a good time just kind of talking about his career but his connection with uh, his former teammates as well as something that uh, that we were able to talk about. It's part of a pretty unique group of uh, players honestly in the history of college football. Everybody has their own story but looking back six quarterback coaches four head coaches two season ending injuries a lot of people can can think pity me and I did at times that's just to be completely honest but I am so grateful for the people of Arkansas State the people that I met and the relationships from not only just my teammates the former coaches but my life couldn't have turned out better obviously I'm I'm married to a former Red Wolf as well and she's kind of the star athlete of the family in my opinion but I'm so grateful for what Arkansas State did for me and then looking back I I wouldn't have it going any other way we had a lot of emotional visits as well you and I have brought this up several times just uh you know some of the deep subject matter that we've been able to get into during this podcast and I think one of the more emotional visits uh that we had was with first team all-american bowler Brooklyn Buchanan and she's somebody that uh had quite a story yeah what she dealt with even while competing as a youth bowler, you know, and things sort of happening in a lot of it out in public on on those stages, plus obviously privately as well. And, you know, she overcame quite a lot to become an All-American here at Arkansas State. Yeah, she talked about that kind of mental and emotional abuse while she was growing up and the kind of effect it had on her. I never really grew up at that point. I was never given the emotional tools to like deal with anything. So at that point, especially losing, because it would mostly happen like I would lose a tournament and I would be upset or something and I would cry. Well, my punishment for crying would be getting a cold shower with my clothes on. That was my punishment for crying Uh. until I stopped crying. (laughs) Like that's just an example of like the kind of things that would go on. And then I finally just got to the point where I was just like mentally mute. Like I would just have no response to anything because I didn't want any consequences for having a response. Well, one person that you can put in that same category with Jacob Still and Olivia Schmidt and Philip Butterfield for that matter, somebody who just absolutely loves Arkansas State is one of our track and field athletes, Grace Flowers. And she was somebody that, that got emotional as well while she was in here and I kind of get chills when I even think about this but she shared this amazing story from right after she experienced a family tragedy and I called 911 because I'm going to die like I cannot breathe like my chest hurts so bad it's just a, a major you know shock and um the sweetest lady answers the phone the 911 operator and she's like what's your name you know date of birth like where are you well what what can I do and I'm like in between hyperventilating, trying to explain to her, I'm on the side of the road. I'm in a black you know, car and I cannot breathe. I, I cannot breathe. And she says, okay, I'm calling an ambulance. And then I was like, no, I was embarrassed. So like, I'm so sorry. It's just been a really bad day. And she said, I totally get it. I totally understand. Five years ago today, my brother passed away on my mom's birthday. <laughs> She and just volunteered that information. It was it was an angel. I, I, there's no other way. It's real. But and uh-huh. I, I I froze. I was like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> you know, froze. And um, it's my mother's birthday. 
I just got news that my brother's not going to make it. And I mean, it was just the most emotional moment of my life that God, in my opinion, would send someone who knows exactly what I was going through. Here in the last couple of months, we had a chance to sit down with one of the newest A-State women's basketball players, somebody that's off to a heck of a start in her first season as a Red Wolf, Izzy Higginbottom. I think fans are starting to get to know Izzy a little bit now. Yeah, it's been fun watching her sort of settle in. I think um, even though the numbers have been good throughout, I think even she'd tell you she pressed some early in the season, which when you think about it stands to reason because this is a young lady that's had a lot of time to hear about being a local product coming home to kind of turn things around, uh, you know, Northeast Arkansas kid coming home to make good. And uh, I still think that's going to be what happens, but uh, it's been fun to watch her development. She could have stayed and played SEC basketball and played a lot at Missouri. In fact, she averaged 19 minutes a game last year as a true freshman at Mizzou, but that's not what she wanted to do. She wanted to come closer to home, but she also shared the other big factor when it came to choosing her new school and had to do with her new head coach. Coming back home was obviously a big part of it, but um, I had been following Arkansas State, and once I saw that Coach Destiny Rogers was moved up to the head coaching position, I was like, that's a perfect fit for me because she's a great basketball mind she comes from a basketball family I had played for her dad in AAU and played with her sister throughout all of my AAU career so knew their family very well knew her very well she played a big part in my initial recruiting process before I had made the decision to go to Mizzou so I was definitely excited about that speaking of Destiny Rogers we had a chance to sit down Well, right after it became official that Destiny Rogers was the new head women's coach at A-State, it's fun to watch her and just her passion for the program, her passion for the future of the program. But, you know, she comes from a, a great basketball family as well. Coach's kid, you know, point guard, college player. One thing I didn't really realize until she was in here with us is a college player who was basically dismissed from her college team and yeah. had to earn her way back so she can speak to her players from uh, from a place of knowing you know what that was like. I think this is a player's coach. Listen, I was excited to see the other day they were playing. Uh, what well, was so they were playing an in-state opponent uh, a couple of weeks back, and she got a technical foul at the end of the game. And I was actually listed on the radio at that point. And was excited. Yeah, go because because here's the deal: if she's going to get on an official, right, it should carry some weight because as we've seen, you know, day in and day out. That's not the way she typically conducts business. Your demeanor is extremely unique, and in particular, in-game demeanor. Mm -hmm. Because we watch college basketball, and you almost expect the head coach to be stomping their feet, yelling at players and refs, and you're about as cool of a customer as I've ever seen (laughs) on the sideline. So I got the opportunity to be a head coach at the age of 26 uh, at a 6A school uh, by the name of El Dorado High School. And uh, I was a fiery young head coach. And I would stomp my feet and clap my hands and get onto the refs and just was very passionate about what I was doing. 
And I found that while we did see some success there, just the kids that you're coaching today, it didn't really reach them the way that I thought that it would because I was used to players from my generation who we were used to our coaches being absolutely tough on us no matter what. Whether you're doing good or you're doing bad, it's always tough. And so what I've learned is I think that you have to develop relationships with your players and you know ultimately you you kind of have to coach each player differently. What might work for one player doesn't necessarily work for the next. So you know, as far as getting onto the referees, I definitely found out that that doesn't work. Uh, so if you notice, you know, there might have been a couple games where, you know, the crowd might have thought some things were questionable. I try not to pay it any attention and try to control the things that I can control. And that's to coach my team, you know, every possession and, and try to put them in the best position to win. One of the other head coaches that was hired in the past year and we had a chance to sit down with back in the spring right after it was announced that he was coming to a state was former volleyball assistant under former head coach david rear brian gerwig and we knew coming in this was going to be a very emotional visit yeah because you just you know the story i mean and it's uh, a heartbreaking story by and large in fact that when he was here in Northeast Arkansas at Arkansas State as an assistant. You met a young lady with Northeast Arkansas roots and obviously volleyball roots as well. And they went on to get married. But right before they did, obviously she got a you know really, really tough cancer diagnosis and sort of set into to motion a chain of events that led to that emotional visit we had. And one thing he was very candid about was just how that personal tragedy that he had made him more ready for the job than ever before. Three years ago, I was ready. I was ready from a strategy, from a volleyball perspective of I know how to recruit. I know how to order gear. I know the basics, the the framework that makes a really good head coach. I understand that. I've worked from some phenomenal head coaches my whole coaching career. The thing that changed over the last three years was the the mental, the emotional side, the maturity that came with dealing with Molly in that situation. My faith grew exponentially in the past three years, and Molly had a lot to do with that. And what I can offer kids now is so much greater than what I could have three years ago. We've been able to sit down with men's basketball coach Mike Bellotto a couple of times this past year, but one time he came in was back in August, right after the team got back from the Dominican Republic. You remember they spent, what was it, eight days in the Dominican and had a chance to play three games down there, but good opportunity for his team to bond. And I thought one of the cool things that he talked about was just uh, the relationship that they were able to make with some of the locals. After we got done practice, we got about 40 kids come from the neighborhood. I mean, they came from everywhere just watching practice. And then they wanted to play with our guys, the guys out there playing one-on-one, you know, they got it on TikTok or whatever. And then all of a sudden I see like four or five of our guys, Marquise Davis, Mac Seal, Terrence Ford, Caleb, I think Isaiah, they were just start taking their shirts off, like their basketball shirts that we give them, kind of dry fits. And they started handing out to little kids, giving them shirts. Oh, wow. And I said, you know what? If they can do that, so can I. So the coaching staff got in on it. So us Heavy set dudes took all our shirts off and gave it to the little kids. And we're drenched in sweat. I'm like, hey, go go home and wash it. Kid put it right on. He's <laughs> walking around with it. So the coaching staff and the players all walked on the bus with no shirts on. We walked off in the resort. And I, I thought it was a cool moment because they were giving them something that they get. It's expected. You know, our guys like, hey, we get these shirts is what we do. But then these little kids are begging for it. 
and they took it off, literally took the shirts off their back and gave it to them. I thought that was one of the coolest experiences I saw all week. Like that's the stuff that people don't see in the blog or don't see. I try to explain a little bit about it, but when you see it with your own eyes happening in front of you, like it, it brings you to tears because our guys understand that there's a lot less fortunate people out there. And one more here. Uh, this is one of my favorite visits of the past year because he's got such a unique story. And and I remember when you and I were talking about bringing him in, we thought, hey, this has a chance to be really good. Talking about Eon Young, an assistant coach on Mike Bellotto's staff. Yeah, the game took him all over the world. Once sort of he was, I guess for lack of a better word, discovered. It was because a young guy who really wasn't playing high school basketball until – Mike Scutero, who was ultimately a part of Coach Bellotto's program, saw him one day and said, what high school do you play at? And he said, well, I, I don't. And Scoot said, well, you do now. <laughs> and and we, what ended up happening was, like you said, a career that took Eon all over the world. And then when he finally uh, decided his time as a player was through, he went into coaching, and he didn't rest on his laurels. He knew that uh, if you're going to get where he wanted to get in the coaching business, you had to be willing to do whatever, and that's what he's done. Well, you're 38, 38. and you come here as a graduate assistant. assistant. You do that for two years years. at A-State. And I know what GAs typically do, just Mm -hmm. being around it, and Brad, Mm -hmm. it's the same way. He he knows what – their general duties are you are not a typical GA <laughs> no. and coach Bellato has never treated you no. that way he treated you like uh, another assistant coach while well, you were doing I that. remember when uh, Scutero he put me on the phone with him and I, I was at a dentist appointment and I left and I was talking to him and he was just like listen being a GA this is a responsibility you know you gotta wash laundry you gotta do this you're 38 I said okay that, that's fine I don't, I don't think he knew how serious I was and I was coaching AAU in Atlanta and uh, Scoop was like, oh, well, we, we're here recruiting. Come see Bilal here and basically in-person interview. Yeah. So I know Bilal thinking I'm 38. I probably got gray hair. I'm old, maybe heavy. <laughs> this guy's he's not going to come yeah, through the ground. Work. Yeah, he's not going to come do this stuff. So then I come watch him play in the tournament. Actually, DJ Reeves was playing. I sit down talk to Bilal. And he look at me, he's just like, you sure you're 38? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm st- <laughs> I still play. I was still playing like, every day. And he w- we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. I don't even think he watched the game. We just talked and we hit it off. And he was like, man, this this come. And then I, to his credit, Coach B, when I got here and he seen that I, I wouldn't do the laundry and clean the gym and all the grunt work that Jays do, he's like, okay. He gave me responsibilities that assistant would do as well. He started molding me to being an assistant, and, and he kind of, he's been shaping me and molding me to this day. So, again, just so many great visits over the course of the past year, and we appreciate everybody who's come in and sat with us in 2022. And those are just some of the visits we've had, but looking forward to what's ahead for us on this podcast coming up in the next year. We're going to take another time out and be back to talk a little hoops when we come back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. We'll wrap things up with a little basketball. And really, there was just one game this past week. 
last Thursday. We were really looking forward to Little Rock coming in here because it's the only time that A-State and Little Rock will play in men's action this year now that Little Rock has moved on to the Ohio Valley. It was the 94th all-time meeting, but we kind of knew a couple of days out that the crowd probably wasn't going to be that big for this game that's because of the weather forecast and i remember walking in on thursday it was a two o'clock tip but i remember walking into the arena around noon what was it about 40 45 degrees outside yep and about tip off is when the snowstorm hit we started seeing people come in first i started seeing fans walk in kind of had been rained on right it rained for a few minutes and all of this before it switched because what happened in the you know in the two o'clock hour basically just inside the two o'clock hour the temperature went down you know 18 20 degrees so when you came in and it was you know 45 degrees we played the game and walked out and it was snowing sideways the wind chill was in the negatives by the time the game was over just brutally cold but Hey, props to the fans that did brave yeah, the elements. I really the other thought day. That it was it was okay, honestly. Um, Considering the weather, yes. Really, really appreciate the folks that turned out, and you know, in the end, you know, our band and our spirit squads each, you know, it wasn't really that the break wasn't what kept them there from being there. It was the weather because in each case, for the spirit squads and for the band, those kids would have been released from there to go home for break and nobody felt good about cutting them loose in that weather and so we didn't have a band we didn't have spirit and you know you also see what it should do for the folks who were there is make you appreciate those kids even more the next time you go because mm-hmm. you see firsthand especially those kids in the band sometimes i think they single-handedly help create us an atmosphere and so you you certainly miss them when they're not there but folks who were there got in get down the stretch got a chance to make some noise and help cap off what i would really say was two comebacks in the second half right from 13 down to take a lead that's right only to get down six again late came back a couple of times in that game they were down 13 with what about 13 and a half minutes to go and then they came back quickly and i think by the eight minute mark we had taken the lead but you're right little rock went on another run took a six point lead and then the red wolves able to come back and win the game 77 to 75 a state shot 42 percent in the first half 56 percent in the second half and a couple of great individual performances in this game i was really impressed with how omar el sheik played finished with a career high 25 points he also had 15 rebounds but as impressive as anything was the fact he had 10 offensive rebounds i think he probably had six buckets off putbacks off offensive rebounds and i don't even mean the numbers but if that's the level that's the competitive level you're getting Omar El Sheik at. This team gets a lot better a lot quicker. If that's the toughness, he's going to stick his nose in there and play with. So, yeah, he, he put up grown man numbers in this game. Caleb Fields had been shaken up in the game before on Monday night against Alabama State. He didn't play the final minute of that game and didn't practice the next couple of days. Yeah. So that ankle was probably about 70%, and I don't think it was at 70% by the time that game was over the other day. But he gutted through it, played 35 minutes, and he was still a factor in the ballgame. And 
The one thing Caleb does so well, well, there's a lot of things he does well. In fact, he moved from seventh to fourth on the all-time assist list at Arkansas State the other day. Only Chico Fletcher, Carl Archer, and Marquise Eaton had more assists. And remember, Caleb is still a junior. But he attacks the basket so well, and he gets fouled. He gets to the line. But I think his ankle kind of prevented him from doing as much of that the other day. And fortunately, you got a freshman that can do a lot of the same things. In fact, those two are are being called the twins now, Terrence Ford and Caleb Fields. But uh, Terrence Ford was certainly on the attack, and he was fantastic. He got to the line a lot, finished with a career-high 25 points, also had five assists in that game. And obviously, there's two things. You know, Terrence Ford can either Ford Caleb Fields some some time on the bench that he might not have gotten otherwise. But a lot down the stretch, those two were on the floor together. And uh, yeah, it was great to see this young fella make a big impact in his first A State Little Rock game. So the Red Wolves finish non-conference play eight and five. They've won three in a row as they swept that three-game homestands. And now they open up Sun Belt play this week. Thursday at 6, they'll travel to Old Dominion. You know, Old Dominion's first Sun Belt football game was against the Red Wolves, and they'll open up with their first ever Sun Belt basketball game against A-State. That's at 6 o'clock on Thursday. Then a quick turnaround. Red Wolves return home, a New Year's Eve game against ULM, tip-off Saturday at 2 o'clock. I'll take the blame for this one. Should have looked it over and thought of it sooner. I think we should have tipped this game off at about 10-15 Saturday night. Okay, celebrate the new year. Just with try to get it to end. You know, try to time it up the Red end at midnight. There's always time. You can change that to start time if you want. <laughs> yeah, it's happened. Okay, so the men start conference play with those games, and then the women are on the road for a couple of games. They'll be at ULM Thursday night at 6.30, and then they go from Monroe to Statesboro. That's not an easy trip. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get from Monroe to Statesboro, but that's what they're going to do, and they'll take on Georgia Southern Saturday at 1. be great to go down to Monroe Thursday and get things off on the right foot, stay out on the road for the first week of conference play. This will cap off a stretch where, you know, by the time they get back home next week, I mean, they've played six out of seven on the road and really one home game in a month. They had one time at home in the entire month of December. They're not back there again until whatever it is, January 5th. So between the the break for the holidays and a bunch of road games, we hadn't got many chances to see this A-State bunch. All right. That pretty much wraps it up for us. Anything we need to talk about before we get out of here? No, I mean, it's, it's conference time, right? I mean, it's time to get serious and from a fan standpoint, too. Uh, hopefully everybody will make their plans to come out and watch this team when you can. You'll be looking. We'll put some promotions out. We'll put some options out there, especially you'll know, probably some, some weekend packs where you know, if it's a little Thursday, Saturday homestand where you can grab tickets to both. So keep checking astateredwolves.com for that because we've talked a lot about it over the years and you and I, but we just even recently, for whatever reason, our venues, and I put footballs in the same boat as First National Bank Arena, it doesn't have to be full to be loud. Heck, you give me 2,500, especially 3,000 people that are there, you know, wanting to impact the game and it's going to make Arkansas State hard to beat in Sunbelt Conference play. So, Terry Mahajer would say this all the time. We've got a great core fan base. Just, you know, try to grow it and be more of them. Well, I I thought our core fan base obviously was on display against that Little Rock game because if you're going to go to that game, you had to want to go to that game. (laughs) 
knowing the situation, agree, yeah. knowing what you were in all likelihood walking out to from a weather standpoint, kind of that next evolution, the next step. And this goes on for a long time is that it could change the mindset to not just people to want to turn out in big numbers to watch the game, but to shift the mindset to people who want to turn out in big numbers to impact it, mm-hmm. to literally know that even with just a person in the stands, you can actually have an impact on winning or losing. You can also have an impact on winning or losing by not being in the stands, by the way. But once you get in the stands, then the mindset's got to be, you know, I'm not just sitting here necessarily to watch this game. I want to do what I can do to help A-State win it. Well, you've got your next opportunity coming up Saturday at 2 as the Red Wolves begin the conference home schedule, the men taking on ULM. That's going to do it for us on this final edition of the Second to None podcast for 2022. For everyone that makes this podcast possible each and every week, especially our friends at Simmons Bank, for Brad, I'm Matt. Have a very happy and a very safe new year.